Hey guys, Danny here, Music Lesson Business Academy. Sit back and relax and enjoy this episode. I think there's some things in here that are really going to blow your mind. I've done a lot of interviews on the show, and this is definitely one of my favorite. And, you know, we talk about story brand quite a bit in this episode, as well as Jason's struggles to implement his own curriculum at his music school, dealing with a walkout from a bunch of his teachers. And how he's come through all that to come out on top. And nobody has nailed story brand like Jason has. That's coming up and more on this episode. Let's roll the intro. everybody, Danny Thompson here, your host for Music Lesson Business Academy. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode. Thanks to all of you who subscribe to the show. If you're listening and you haven't subscribed, please get out your phone and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. And as always, a special welcome to all the Platinum 100 Club members. So we're going to get into the episode really quick here. It's a great one. Um, I do want to mention I am giving away a free course from Music Lesson Business Academy 3.0, The Seven Levers of the Music Lesson Business. I've taken the original Seven Levers course that I did in the first uh, MLBA Academy and have updated it and added to it, and I'm giving it away for free. So go to the show notes here and click on the link to access that course. You can also go over to the Music Lesson Business Academy Facebook group, and I'll be posting a link over there as well. This episode is brought to you by NeverAloneBusinessServices.com. Google ads, Facebook ads, SEO, website design, and more. Done for you, the music school owner, by actual music school owners. Pretty cool. Check them out at NeverAloneBusinessServices.com. You can fill out a little form on there and get a free marketing assessment. Mention Music Lesson Business Academy and you save a hundred bucks off your first month. This episode is also brought to you by the fine folks over at Teacher Zone. Go over and check out teacherzone.com. Get all your student learning management, your billing, your scheduling all wrapped up into one cool system. Head over to teacherzone.com. All right, guys, let's get into today's episode. All right, Jason Molenbrock from Blue and Green Music School out of Phoenix, Arizona. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thank you so much for taking time out to uh, do the interview today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. So um, before we get into the bulk of kind of the two subject areas we're going to talk about today, um, why don't you just sort of get us up to speed, who you are, how you got involved in teaching, what led to the school being open, things like that. 
Yeah, yeah. So um, I've actually been teaching piano for quite a long time, um, about 14 years now, actually. Wow. Um, so it started as just um, you're teaching piano as a just kind of side project um, while going through um, college. Um, and yeah, I, I could never quite decide if I was going to be a elementary school teacher or go into doing jazz performance or music composition in college. And so I would, I would bounce around yeah. constantly between the two. Gotcha. Uh, and so it was kind of just a natural progression um, to putting the two together and teaching yeah. music. Um, but two, I, yeah, I, two majors that neither one of them were going to pay you very much money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I actually ended up just getting a degree in art after 10 years, uh, which pays even less. So <laughs> right. there, there you go. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was kind of interesting because growing up, I, I played piano since I was five and just never quite found that teacher that really could inspire me and help me in the ways that I needed. Mm -hmm. uh, so I ended up teaching myself most of everything. I, I oh, didn't wow. learn how to read music until um, my 20s um, in college. And so that was always hanging in the back um, of my head when I started teaching. Um, that I, I, I wasn't ever satisfied with just teaching like I was taught yeah. um, and constantly trying to challenge myself to think more <coughs> like the kids um, because I felt like that's something that was never really offered to me um, after trying for a really long time. Interesting. Um, and so, yeah, when I was going to graduate, uh, finally, you know, 10-year bachelor's degree, um, <laughs> it, I was, in addition to doing art school, I was doing music composition on the side at a community college, getting a portfolio together to go into grad school. And I ended up getting badly injured. And when I graduated, I was actually in a wheelchair for a while. Uh, wow. And while trying to get healthy and deal with the financial burdens of all of that, um, I realized that my true path forward was sitting me, you know, like staring me in the face, um, that taking out more debt to get another degree it wasn't the investment that I wanted to do. And instead, I wanted to expand this kind of side project that I was doing. Um, and so I was driving around to students' homes at the time, uh, and then I started teaching out of my house a little bit um, at the same time. And then my girlfriend, Shauna, uh, she was a fifth grade teacher um, full-time, um, and she helped me out um, during the summer one year, um, and I, just to see if I could in, expand um, my my teaching uh, little little project there and so I had to actually teach her some of the music fundamentals because she had played flute um, in elementary school but nothing past that um, and when we realized that she was learning enough um, to teach it really well uh, we kind of sat down and had the conversation that in a year she would quit her job and we would 
take the plunge and cool. start a music school together. Um, and so about not this past September, but the one previous, that was September 2018, we, um, we got one more business partner um, who takes, helps us out a little bit more at the financial end. And we formed the LLC. And then it was just a matter of trying to figure out how we were going to structure everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, uh, Shauna was actually the one that uh, first found um, you and the teacher zone guys. Um, oh, okay. And so we liked a lot of the buzz and energy about kind of going in these new directions with, you know, having your own spot and um, running it employee based and really trying to create a culture right off the bat. Yeah. And so, yeah. And I think I had my first call with you that December (laughs) and then uh, it, it was just a race from there. We found a location right on a, really major street in Phoenix. Um, and we secured the space um, in the middle of February last year and then opened April 1st. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, quite a journey, man. That's congratulations. And, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. you took the, it's always a, a daunting task and challenging and pretty scary, you know, to go into a project like that. So, uh, I'm, really happy for you guys let me um when we were you know the the genesis moment of this phone call or this interview today kind of came through a coaching call we were doing and yeah one of the things you had mentioned you'd sent me an email you know and you had a lot of great stuff going on but you had kind of gone through a little turbulent time where you were losing teachers kind of had a little exodus of teachers but you felt like you'd come through it and you were really starting to now find your footing and really start to move forward. Give us a a rundown of what was going on at that time. Yeah. So I think that going that employee, a couple of things, yeah, going the employee route um, really kind of put the pressure on us to create a framework that we believed in. Um, And at the same time, um, we started the school with 42 students that I had brought in myself. Um, so we had this system that I had kind of created um, over 13 years of, of teaching. And we started putting it into a curriculum that other people could use. In addition to the curriculum, we also came up with some really strong philosophies um, that we believed in and wanted to find people who believed in it with us. Going into hiring, though, at first, you know, we're, we're brand new at this and, you know, we're, we were hiring for experience mm-hmm. and degrees and, um, you, you know, resumes. And so we had this idea in mind of what we were looking for, and we were actually hiring com- for what we thought we were supposed to be doing. Right, you know, so right. we, there was actually a disconnect for ourselves. But what ended up happening is a lot of people um, 
very experienced teachers who have been teaching for a really long time. Many of them had master's degrees um, in music of some kind. And were really excited to work for a new school and liked the idea of being an employee um, instead of a contractor. But we didn't do a very good job of explaining everything about what that actually means. Yeah. And we would go into practice rooms and just, you know, check up on things and make sure things are moving in the right direction. We got a curriculum out to everybody um, and that we expected to be used and um, kind of a lesson plan template, uh, very similar to what you and uh, Tim Topham are talking about um, with the different elements. Mm -hmm. And when we tried to make sure that some of these uh, some of this content and philosophies were being met in the lessons, we got a lot of pushback from the teachers um, because they had already developed their own methods of teaching and didn't want to go down that path. So it became really, really difficult um, because we're, we're telling the parents one thing right. about sure, what sure. kind of environment we're creating and the stuff that's going to be in all of their lessons and the philosophies that um, our school stands by. And then they were getting something completely different in the lessons. And what we found is that a lot of teachers preferred the closed door policy um, when it comes to administration, um, looking into you know, what they're doing and sure, sure. Um, holding them accountable and trying to grow together. So we kind of had a, a moment of, are we going to <laughs> fight for what we believe in? Or are we going to, you know, kind of cave and just say, you know, people here in this town, they expect the contractor kind of model where you do, you really have complete um, control over what you're teaching and how you're teaching it. Um, or, you know, and, and so we just, we decided, you know, um, you kind of with the book, you know, start with why, the Simon Sinek, um, that, why we created this was for a space to create a space for kids to take chances, uh, make mistakes, try new things. Um, and the curriculum and philosophies that we have are designed to help create that space inside of the lesson room. And we can't, we can't give up on that. Right. right. So we doubled down, um, we pushed forward and we lost seven teachers in the first six months <laughs> wow which was incredibly scary sure sure um, at the same time we lost half of the 42 students that i brought in because similarly parents who are used to me driving to their lessons mm -hmm. and can cancel anytime right and, right you know the 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 structures we we're putting in place just didn't jive and so yeah, what we thought we were coming in with um, by September <laughs> was very, very, very different. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's... <laughs> that. So let's back up a little bit. Do you feel like those teachers that were giving you that pushback legitimately had a better system for teaching or were they just lazy? 
Yeah, no, it's, I mean, the kinds of things that we were asking for, for example, you know, two really simple ideas. Um, We want to make sure that the lessons are designed to dissect what kids don't understand and help them, you know, give them the tools to really break through those challenges. Mm -hmm. So one of the things we ask for is as often as possible for teachers not to say right at the end of a statement, because usually that means there's a question that you should be asking to make sure that you get the answer to help the student as much as possible. If you say right, you're only going to get the answer yes. Um, so, you know, it's just a simple little philosophy that we try to help teachers with. Yeah. And then another is memorization tricks, like every good bird does fly. You know, that's at, at our school, we don't use those. Um, we, we have a different system of reading music. Um, and, you know, we, we have a lot of patience with teachers as they're learning how to adjust to those new things. But what we got was pushback on, no, no, that's just not how I teach. That's not going to happen. And... I, I think that where a lot of these you know, teachers are coming from is that there's a built-in authority when you are you know, the adult in the room sure. and you are really good at playing an instrument and the kids will you know, a lot of times listen to what you're saying. And I think that it allows a lot of teachers to kind of just show kids how much they know and then ask kids to keep memorizing and practicing until they know it as well. And so, yeah, I, I think that we, we would actually sit down and ask a lot of these teachers, um, you know, where their philosophies were at. And, you know, if there was some way we could actually incorporate some of that in our system. Right. And it was always just... No, I mean, it's, you know, you could be for the, for the student or you can be for yourself. And there's a lot of people who were, I really believe, using the lesson room as their way to reinforce how good they are at playing music. Interesting. Now, were you able to keep any of the teachers that you had? Yeah. So there were, um, we have three still mm-hmm. that we started with. And okay. yeah, they're, they're doing really awesome. Oh, that's good. Um, but those are three that had kind of bought in yeah. there, there was one that was a a, a bit of it took a little bit uh, to really fully embrace um, where we were going together um, but the other two were bought in right. right from the beginning well and i'm sure now you know in hiring new teachers you know you're sitting down with this person up front and saying hey we have our own curriculum and there's some things that are a little different in the, compared to maybe how you taught in the past let me show you those things and you know and it's easier to make sure that you're getting somebody who's like no i actually i kind of like this idea you're doing here you know versus or getting somebody who's like yeah i don't think it's the right fit for me you know and there's certainly no harm in a in a potential teacher saying that um but you know you just getting that stuff out of the way up front obviously is so much easier and so much more beneficial in setting yourself up and setting that teacher up for success. And I think it yes. is always really difficult, you know, and I, and I, and I would even, you know, give a little sympathy to those teachers that were with you that had 
an issue with it. It's always tough to just have change. You know, when you're used to, you know, working somewhere, it's been a certain way, not only just working for you, but they've been probably teaching at other schools and going to in-home lessons. And, um, you know, that kind of change is, it can be really disruptive for a lot of people. Definitely, definitely. And, and I mean, yeah, we've, we've completely changed our hiring process now. Um, and yeah, we also, we have more material created, uh, so we could, we can show what the curriculum really is all about now, um, for new hires. And also we've really realized that the philosophies are incredibly important to get out of the way upfront. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we've had many potential new teachers come in and realize that it's just not going to line up. Um, one of my favorite things that uh, either turns people away right, right in the beginning or really makes them super excited to come join our team is the philosophy of embrace the chaos in music. Uh-huh. Um, and just kind of talking about how chaotic understanding music is and how there's just so many possibilities and our curriculum is designed to help, you know, use patterns to make a bridge through all of that mess. Um, and yeah, we've had a lot of, a lot of people right off the bat, like I'm not, you know, <laughs> I'm not about this. And that's actually a gift for us sure. to get that information oh, in the front. And we <laughs> definitely messed up in the beginning when we were, you know, we, we weren't really thinking about the right things at the, at that time. Um, it, it, you know, it's all a learning process. I mean, very, very few schools go into their business with a curriculum and a, and a philosophy as baked and, and thought out as you have, you know? Yeah. So, you know, very few other school owners have probably really gone through it in this way because most of us, myself included in most schools, it's like, we kind of get the school running to a pretty big size, you know, doing things maybe more the way it's always been done before we started to really think about, you know, implementing our own systems and philosophy, maybe a curriculum or a testing program or things of that nature. And you're kind of starting off with something and, you know, right from the get go. And it's pretty thorough, you know, even, you know, just some of those things you, you mentioned there of just, you know, some language that you want to use or are saying not to use and, you know, really changing maybe some very common practices of how to explain certain theory concepts and things yeah. like that. Saying this is, I want you to explain, you know, time signatures. This is how we're going to explain it or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. You know, exactly. and that's, that's pretty thorough. That's pretty in depth, you know, um, super Part admirable. Of product of- yeah. Very admirable and very, you know, challenging in the beginning, but also sets you up for such an opportunity and a, a competitive advantage compared to yeah. everybody else down the road. So yeah. now what you told, you also sh- you told me like when some of these teachers left, they all wrote you like a really bad letter or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty, uh, pretty exciting, you know? So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been pretty awesome because, uh, you know, partnering with a elementary school teacher, you know, it's hard not to really um, be concerned with um, educational practices, you know, and, and communication. And um, so that, that has 
that's been probably the most challenging on a lot of the teachers is just kind of re-evaluating how we communicate with young kids. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we've got uh, when, you know, we had at least three who resigned effective immediately, you know, an hour before their shift would start. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, a lot of call outs. Because they, really, they really cared so much about those kids, huh? <laughs> oh, yes. They resigned. Yes. I didn't do that to a student hour before the bus. Yeah. In, in fact, we, 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 one, of, one of the uh, resignation emails um, was talking about how the owners at Blue and Green care much more about the students than anybody else. We're like, all right, yeah, I think we can, uh, I think oh, we can live with that. I, I, might, I might actually like photocopy that and put it on the website for parents yeah. to read. A teacher quit because you were making the teacher care too much about the student. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, another call out was that um, we would not get another member of the music scene um, in Phoenix because we were asking so much. Um, from teachers in a way that only the owners of Blue and Green could actually pull off. And so our, <laughs> our way of handling that was we had, a, uh, we had a prospective teacher who wanted to learn how to do it. Um, their experience was they taught themselves how to play piano six years ago. Mm-hmm. And they're a math major at a university. Oh shit! <laughs> so, and so we're like, you know what? Yeah, let's see, let's see. This is this is so you know difficult that no one can do this. Yeah. So let's 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 bring this let's bring this guy on. Um, let's you know help him out, understand um, you know how to communicate with kids, and you know use the curriculum to understand how to deliver this material and. Yeah, this teacher now has 18 students and uh, is just flying. That's amazing. Like, lessons are doing. That's awesome. He, yeah, he's doing amazing. <laughs> what's, what's so interesting about this, and I think it just really uncovers like this big issue in the music teaching world. I mean, first off, these, these teachers that are you know, complaining to you that, about this, on the other hand, are saying, I have a master's degree. I'm a big deal. You know, I'm something special. But then on the other side, they're saying, I can't, you know, administer this, you know, this program. It's too hard. Yeah. And, you know, those, those things just don't seem to make, you know, those two things just kind of don't work together. And I think there is, you know, when they say you're not going to get any other teachers from the music scene. There is a warped reality that a lot of these piano teachers and guitar teachers, and yeah, I mean, it's all instruments out there that maybe have been doing it for a while that went to school, like, you know, there's, they have a warped reality of what, how good they are and what it's really all about. You know, it, it's, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to put my finger on it, but. They all really, it all to me comes back to two things. They want to do things the way they've always done it. They don't want to change anything. And they really, truly don't actually understand a whole lot about teaching. They, they, they may have a degree in an instrument, 
but don't seem to understand the psychological elements and you know, philosophical elements of inspiring a student to play music. And it's, it's, it's really frustrating. Yeah, no, definitely. And um, yeah, I mean, I felt it firsthand, you know, growing up um, and constantly being reminded about how I didn't know things. And, you know, somehow I wasn't practicing enough or memorizing the notes on the page enough, you know, and I, I, I think there's this, um, it's almost an apprenticeship kind of model yeah. of, of here's how we do things. And if you, if you memorize this and you watch me do this, then you'll be able to do it too. And I think in a lot of areas of education that is evolving and we're understanding that that's psychologically, that's not the most beneficial for, for children. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I, you know, I mean, I think music, it's, it's still a lot like that. And I think a lot of times people hide behind how mystical music is and, it, you know, how artistic everything is. And, you know, not everyone can understand music very well. So you kind of, I feel like music teachers sometimes get a pass on, well, yeah, it's, it's hard to explain to kids because music is hard to explain. Yeah. But we can do a lot better. And I think another thing with the apprentice model, you know, it's very outdated. And what we tend to overlook is the fact that why apprenticeships work so well in a lot of cases is because there is a direct correlation of um, resources that are attached to it. So if you're learning how to, you know, make shoes and you do an apprenticeship with it, you do that so that you can get that a job doing that or working on cars. Right. Well, these kids aren't learning music to get a job in music. There's kind of a misunderstanding from the standpoint of a lot of parents as well, that they believe that if that teacher has a degree on the wall, that that's who has to teach their kid. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And it's, it's, it's interesting you bring that, that point up. Um, yeah, when, when we were going through some teacher changes, um, one, of, one of the teachers who's, who's actually, you know, definitely one of our top teachers, for sure. It's actually my, my brother, um, who's, who's only 20 right now, had no experience ahead of time. Um, and when we were switching teachers, one of the parents demanded to see his degrees and so I, I i let the parent know you know well um your your child's new teacher doesn't have a degree you know and then explained kind of our philosophies and how he's doing with that and you know the lessons that he's got and they decided to take a chance on it and like loving it you know but it's, oh, it, was, it was just really interesting to when we, we don't hear that very often um, anymore, because um, I think mm -hmm. we're sending enough signals that that's not the right. kind of school that we are. Uh, but yeah, when you hear that, like, can I see their degree? And it's, it's always funny to me. I'm like, I don't really know what this degree in music is going to tell you about their ability to communicate these crazy complicated um, <laughs> skills and, right. and concepts to your child. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, really. And, and I don't want people to get me wrong. Like, I would love if I, I wish I had a degree in music to go along with all of my experience of playing music. 
you know, because I, I like you, I just had a private teacher, you know, mm-hmm. I started, you know, drums in the fourth grade in the school band and, you know, just went that route. And I had a private instructor all the way through, actually through high school, I, from like seventh grade through high school, I had the same drum instructor, Frank Pampanella, um, in Berwyn, Illinois, if by any chance, Frank, you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I did keep in touch with him as an adult. And when I was teaching and working at a music store, we would, we helped each other out with a few gear trans, uh, trans swaps a couple of times. Um, and then I took from some higher level people, I took some jazz lessons with Paul Wertico, who's, uh, Pat Matheny's drummer. Damn. And I've done lessons with Brooks Wackerman, uh, of the, you know, the Wackerman drummer family fame. And, but you know, I don't have a degree or anything and I, and I wish I did by all means. So I'm not, you know, I'm not poo-pooing on people's getting degrees in music by any means. (laughs) I I think it's wonderful and bettering yourself in any kind of education. I am a firm believer. It's one of the things I wish I went in my younger days would have valued education the way that I do now. You know, I, I would have multiple degrees in different subject matters. You know, I probably would have been a scientist anyway, on a different route. But, you know, you, you have to take that degree that you have in music. And, 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 and if you're going to decide to teach music in, in, you know, in a private music academy situation or even in some you know, in some of these schools like an OSHA or APA Academy that we have here in Orange County, I mean, it, it really becomes so much more about your ability to inspire and mentor a yeah. student. And that's, you know, I, I really started, I like that Lo, the Los Rios Teacher Zone guys utilize that terminology of mentoring a student more in their language. And I started utilizing that more. And that concept of mentoring a student, and, and that's, you know what, to me, mentoring a student is way harder than teaching them how to play a scale. Yeah. Because the scale is the scale. I mean, it's the same whether you play it or I play it, or the paradiddle or whatever it is. It's the same stuff. So, yes, you can use, you know, your stories and your analogies or, or your examples of ways of explaining that concept to a student maybe differently than a, another teacher but the scale's the scale to have to get into a kid's head and figure out what's going to inspire them or what's challenging them and how do i mentor this student to make better decisions and make better choices in their life and and those type of scenarios the same way that us as business owners that's really what you're doing with your teacher is mentoring that person to be more successful yeah. And, and I think that that is insanely difficult for people. Yeah. No, and, and I think with, yeah, with, with mentoring kids and, you know, teaching them, you know, regardless of, what, of how you're looking at it, you're trying to help them learn. And I think, you know, one of the reasons why I like, you know, you guys using the terminology of mentoring is, it just makes you rethink about what you're attempting to do. And when you're rethinking of what you're attempting to do, you know, hopefully 
you're thinking about the result that's coming from the student and what they're attempting to do then. And I think a lot of times um, in music education, we just look at teaching as showing someone how to do something. And yeah, and yeah when, when you really look at it and, and you really focus on what are we trying to do, and then you see it from the point of view of the student of they're trying to learn and how can we help them learn and inspire them to learn and get inside of their head and understanding why they might not be learning well right now. How can I adjust? How can I take on this challenge? You know, it's, yeah. it's, uh, there's so much more energy that's created from that. And what's awesome about the results that come from that is that if, if we give the students the keys to this car, you know, if we, if we say like, you are in charge of this journey and I'm going to help you learn all of this complicated material that's keeping you from going down this journey, but then let you carve that path and then help inspire that, you know, that's the thing like with, with experience, you know, like you're talking about your experience and, you know, people coming in with, whether it's a degree, you know, and, and talks that they've, that they've had and teachers that they've had because of that degree. Um, or if they're just taking private lessons or playing with really, you know, top end players, all of those experiences don't necessarily mean that now you should listen to me about these scales even more closely. What they mean is I've got all of this potential inspiration to give to these students. And if you tie in that inspiration with a really clear understanding of how to administer the learning and help them the students learn i mean they'll they'll surprise you you know so much of where that ends up going yeah and it's exciting yeah that's really cool tell us a little bit more about your curriculum yeah so our curriculum um I think it's uh, a, a little unique in the fact that it focuses 100% on the craft of m- making music, not the art. Uh, so, in you know, an, another way to say that is it's completely music theory based, um, with a little bit of technique and reading. That's you know just that's necessary to tie in the um, loose ends. But um, our curriculum is broken up into different subject areas so that kids can kind of move at their own pace through it. Um, I, I spent a lot of time um, teaching group classes at Montessori schools and then Shauna coming from uh, elementary education, you know, mm-hmm. kind of understand the importance of, of kids m- being strong in certain areas and needing extra help in other areas. and so. Yeah, our, our, our curriculum um, is broken up into a lot of different facets of music theory. Um, and what it's designed to do is to help the teachers um, help the students problem solve through these areas. So instead of giving a theory book that you take home and <coughs> prove that you can <coughs> memorize every good bird does fly on a treble clef, it's, you know, we're writing staffs on the wall and showing them, you know, how a staff relates to a piano keyboard and how to listen to intervals and, you know, 
we'll take the rhythmic um, component of reading music and do it completely on the cajones. So we don't even, we're not even doing it. We're not even teaching you how to read rhythms out of the book while you're playing piano or guitar. You know, we're doing that on the cajon so that you can make those connections. You know, oh, that's cool. I like that. And so, yeah, it's just broken up into um, some different uh, little checkpoints yeah. along the way. And then we we've got tap mango and the kids get points, you know, as mm-hmm. they pass through things. Um, and uh you had mentioned, yeah. I think, in our call, something that excited me is you have a like, kind of a music history component. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. Yeah, we have Tell a... Tell us about that. Yeah, so one of, yeah, one of the areas in our curriculum is all music history, and we're basically teaching kids how to listen critically to music, and we don't tie it into their instrument whatsoever. Um, so we're just helping them... Um, first, just identify different genres, um, and then getting even further deep into those genres and actually identifying specific elements and learning about, you know, in jazz, the difference between melody and improv and, you know, how harmony works and, and naming the instruments of a rhythm section, you know, and things like that. And it's all completely arbitrary at the time that they're learning about it. But it helps break up the lessons, and then it also helps give context to a lot of the crazy concepts that they're learning when they're playing their instruments. And it also helps to teach them how to listen to any music that they're listening to with a more critical ear, which long-term can only help with you know, inspiring them to you know, make the kind of music they want to make. Yeah, that's awesome. I, uh, <clears throat> in last week's podcast episode, I mentioned this Seth Godin thing and I was thinking of putting it at the beginning of this episode as well because it really (laughs) I think when I heard this Seth Godin interview and him talking about this I was like I'm gonna use that when I interview Jason you know (laughs) because we've been talking about doing this interview for a few weeks and I I was so fired up after our coaching call when you were telling me what was going on I was like this is amazing you know but so you know Seth Godin's wife owns a vegan gluten-free kosher bakery yeah and he says that is not for everybody yeah but it but it is for somebody and that's all that matters is that it is for somebody and that just made me think a lot about what you were doing because this may not be for everybody you know what you're doing but it doesn't really have to be you only need this it only needs to be for a few hundred people exactly that and you're super successful at that you know, and what I like so much about what you're doing is that you stand for something. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been talking about that a lot more in, you know, identifying who you are, believing in something and being willing to say, no, I, I this is what I'm standing for is that there is a problem in the way that 99% of everybody's doing music lessons out there. And I think my way is better and I'm going to stand behind this change because we believe in something and we stand for something. Yeah. That does so like, you know, a number one, just from a marketing standpoint, it just gives you, it just makes it, it's, it's interesting how much easier it is to market your business when you have a very strong defining characteristic that other people don't have. 
yeah. even though you know that <clears throat> a certain segment of people may be turned off by this. Oh yeah, there's there's plenty of people we talk to. They're like, that is definitely not what I'm looking for. <laughs> um, but it's good yeah. to know that too. I, yeah, I like <laughs> sure. I like you bringing that up about Seth Godin's Seth Godin's wife because I I've I've actually thought about that many times while we were like <laughs> trying to stick behind this um, vision. And uh, I think too something that Shauna said while we were going through all that time, and she's like. We, we were kind of going back and forth, like, all right, dude, how, how hard do we push past this, you know? And she was just like, no, we took the risk. We, yeah. we took the plunge and we decided we are, we're, we're doing the extra work to make this employee-based. We're doing the extra work to create this, and we just got to get better at it. People can leave, and then we'll keep improving. And I was like, you know, that was good to hear and good to move towards because um you know one thing that we're seeing now too is the students who are here the ones who didn't leave have an experience that they never thought possible the teachers who are here now are just loving everything you know and i think that if we didn't stick behind that vision then we'd be stealing from from them you know yeah in in a weird roundabout way Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, and you're starting to, I mean, you're building your tribe and that tribe's only going to get bigger and easier to build as students start to have success. Parents see success from the students. And if that, and you know, whatever, however you want to, or they want to define that success, it may not be that this kid's become a total shredder who wants to go on and go to, you know, college and focus on music. It may just be that they really love music and they love playing it. And that parent doesn't have to force that kid, you know, to come to guitar lessons or whatever it is, you know? Exactly. Um, and if you have students that do start to become great players because you're taking a different approach and, you know, if, if those are things that you can say to somebody, so when they call and you're talking to them and you start to kind of explain your system and they're like, whoa, I don't know if that's for me. and you say. I totally understand where you're coming from. I just want to give you some statistics, you know, that this is how long our students on average are staying with us. Yeah. These are the kind of results we're seeing. I'm going to send you a video of some parent testimonials of why, what they're loving about what we do. And after you watch all that, if it's still not for you, no harm, no foul, man. I'll, I'll, I can recommend another school for you too, you know? And you start taking that approach with, these potential clients, I think you're going to be educating. I mean, you're taking on a task. You're educating people. You're not just selling them a new, you know, like, hey, come and buy your car from my ship. Come take karate here. Come to my school. You're kind of taking on a role of saying, I have to educate the customer about Mm -hmm. what it is that they're buying. And that is always a harder task, you know, but as you sharpen that saw and sharpen those skills better and better and better, you just have this opportunity to decimate all the other music schools around. <laughs> yeah. Because there's going to come a point where they will all be playing catch up to you. Yeah. You know? and, and that's what's, you know, one of the elements that's really exciting to this. So, um, <clears throat> You know, the last thing I wanted to touch base on, and, and this is something I think you nailed so well, and we were talking about the marketing side of your school, and we were talking about s- 
story brand and you know doing the brand script for your business and you took it to a whole new level yeah. and the way that you explained it to me i have no first off nobody in the music lesson business has even come close to nailing it <laughs> like you did me included and it was so inspiring so just tell us your story brand story okay yeah so basically i mean we all know um i mean well a lot of us know how impactful you know story brand can be to helping you reassess <laughs> how you think about your own business you know and you know like quick you know, you know re- real short it, it, it basically if you, if you haven't you know read the book or heard about it you know it, it it's a framework that teaches you how to position yourself as your business you know position yourself as a guide to your customer rather than being the hero that they need because everyone wants to be their own hero and the people who are selling to you know if we position ourselves as a hero then we're getting it in the way of them you know get, reaching their true calling. So it teaches you how, it's a framework that teaches you how to um, re, you know, learn, or sorry, learn how to talk about yourself in a way where you're helping your customer become the hero um, as their guide. But the problem that happens with music schools is that one, who is the hero? You know, who's our actual customer here? You know, how do we how do we pinpoint this because we've got students and we've got parents and you know we don't want to confuse in the marketing and then the other thing is in the framework you have to pinpoint a villain that you're um, going to highlight and then show how you know the customer the hero wants to defeat the villain and then you're going to be the guide to help them do that. And then it'll lead to a success and avoid a failure. But when we try to do that as music schools, it's just incredibly difficult because it's so abstract, you know? Yeah. What is the villain and who is our customer? And if you can't really answer those questions strongly, you can use a lot of the ideas from StoryBrand, but it's really hard to, to fully utilize it um, in our messaging. Yeah, and so and, be, and be, before you <clears throat> yeah. reveal the villain, which is was brilliant. In the past, I think a lot of us, you know, we've struggled with like, well, what is the villain? Or we could say, what's the challenge or the problem that you're trying to solve? You know, is it lessons are boring? Is it kids drop out of lessons? Is it, <clears throat> you know, the scheduling issue? You know, the lack of time that a parent has. You know, those are all things I've thought about. Well, maybe the you know. Maybe the villain in this whole thing is, is parents being able to like actually get their kids to lessen, you know? Yeah. And, you know, those might be legitimate concerns, but I, I don't think, you know, we really nailed it. So in your case, I think when you said this to me, it was like this huge light bulb. Yeah. So in, in your story brand story arc, who is the villain? All right, so in mine, um, it's music. Uh, and <laughs> I know that's a little crazy, but um, I'll explain how we got there. Um, 
so yeah, I, I, we, we listened to StoryBrand. We went through the whole process and, you know, we, we had a, something that we, you know, kind of liked. But I think our villain at first was like getting kids to practice, you know, um, but it just was never satisfying enough. Um, and so finally I decided to listen to it again um, and really think about it of how we could do better. And when we listening to the book for the second time, I kept hearing, um, I kept hearing him talk about archetypes and then listening to the movies that he was selecting, they were all pretty simple scripts. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why does he keep choosing these scripts? I mean, they're all, it's kind of, you know, and it dawned on me, it's like, oh, he's trying to make sure that this can apply to as many people as possible. So it's simplified. Gotcha. But we don't have a simple script as music schools. We've got a complex script. And if you were, were going to make a movie, you, know, you wouldn't use that framework to make a complicated, you know, a really deep movie. And you'd, you'd take that and then adjust things. And so I was like, so that's, I guess that's probably what we have to do. But then I was digging into archetypes more. And, and we've got the hero and the villain. But where those come from, classical literature, you know, there's a lot of different levels of heroes. Um, you know, there's an anti-hero, there's a there's a reluctant hero, which is really what I think kids are, you know. They're a hero that doesn't even know the journey that they're on. Attached to the reluctant <laughs> hero, there's always something called a caregiver in archetypes, you know, in, in classical art, literature archetypes. And that caregiver's job, you know, is to protect the hero. So we're kind of moving more towards, you know, parents here. You know, maybe those are, maybe it's not just one hero. Maybe we've got yeah. a reluctant hero and a caregiver. Reluctant but, hero. That's what But I, I then when, with the caregiver, their job is not only to protect the hero, but their job is to protect the dragon. I was like, oh, what does that even mean? Protect the dragon. <laughs> so now I was looking into archetypes about the dragon and the thing about the dragon archetype is that it's a beast that the whole hero's journey revolves around defeating somehow. But it's not a straightforward defeat of like, I'm going to live or you're going to live and that's the end of the story. Right. It's the hero will either slay the dragon and then wear its armor you know, or take a tooth and, and you know, and it's got magical powers. Right. Or it will tame the dragon. And now this hero, like, has this dragon fighting alongside it. Which is why the caregiver has to keep the dragon alive as well. Because the caregiver's whole job isn't just to protect the hero. It's to allow the hero to go on their journey. So clearly those are the parents, you know. And so when I was looking right. into the dragon, you realize it's way more complex. It's not just bad. It's daunting. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's incredibly scary, but it's also an inspiring journey to go and defeat this dragon. And then some property of the dragon remains with the hero forever after that. And so once we looked at it in a new way, rather than just villain, straightforward, mm -hmm. we realized, ah, that's, 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 that's our dragon. It's music. Music is incredibly challenging to take on. 
but there's a huge payoff when you go through that journey and now it becomes a part of who you are. And so our job as um, music school owners is to be a guide for the caregiver and to show them that, you know, our teachers in our program can be a guide for their hero, which is the reluctant hero, which is the kid, you know? So it's just a, it's just a, a little multifaceted. And then, you know, the villain is, is music, you know? So, yeah, that, I mean, for that, us, that's what we decided to do. I yeah, mean, I, I think there's sure, a lot sure. of different ways you can go um, with that. But yeah, um, I, 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 the concept of, you know, taming the dragon and then but yeah the hero just becomes more powerful and you know more yeah. successful and able to do more things because they tamed the dragon so i, I mean to you literally could almost put it in those words to a kid where it's like when you tame this dragon you know you, you for the rest of your life you've got this superpower yeah you know and that that just look it really like defines it so clearly because you you're right. You know, music is complex. Music is confusing. Music is, you know, can be a really daunting task to most people, you know, and maybe even more to adults and kids. You oh know? yeah. And, uh, it, it also makes me think about, uh, you know, I, I've been fooling around with an online, you know, piano course with playground sessions, you know, and they have Harry Connick Jr. as kind of their spokesperson. You know, and, and that's basically how they start off the ads. Hey, if you've yeah. ever wanted to play piano and you've looked at this and just been completely mystified, we're going to demystify it for you. Yeah. You know, that's their whole thing is like, this, it is complex, it is, it, but we're going to show you how to do it in a way that you're not going to feel that way anymore. And they're slaying, you know, they're helping you slay that dragon. You yeah. Know? That, and uh, yeah, just really well thought out. I, I haven't heard anybody... <laughs> go deep like that i you should they should uh do a story brand interview or article about that so, <laughs> uh, yeah. it, was, it was it was it was fun to come up with that it was it was a uh, yeah it, it, it was a big moment <laughs> when it when it when it when it happened yeah you had the little and, aha moment of like oh my god i've got it you know and i think that the the most amazing thing too is that even more than just being able to describe it to potential parents it's also the entire school is rallying behind it. I mean, all the teachers, even the kids are starting to, you know, get it a little bit more. And it's, it's, it's become such an easier way to illustrate what we're trying to do to the teachers, you know, which has been a really cool um, aspect of it. Yeah, well, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah, to get, you know, for the students to be able to understand it and to you know, rally behind a concept and be part of a tribe. Obviously, the people leading the tribe have to be able to understand it and articulate it and know where they're going with it. And, yeah. you know, I think starting with you guys, you know, you clarified who you are, what we're going to do, what's it all about, who's the villain and who, you know, what's the problem we're solving. And then you're getting your student or your, I'm sorry, your teachers to understand those same concepts so that they can explain that to their students. Yeah. And, you know, you've got everybody moving in the same direction, you know, and, that, and that's, yeah. the power. that's the power. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, uh, I, 
I, I don't think necessarily, you know, someone listening to it has to go in that same direction. Sure. But I think one of the, the biggest things of it, about it, too, that um, it, it kind of made us realize is just none of this is straightforward. None of this that we're doing, none, none of us who own music lesson businesses have a straightforward task in front of us. And I think it was just reassessing this material that we're consuming to challenge ourselves to think about it in new ways is the real takeaway from it all. And I think, you know, it's, it's another, I know there's this big debate about, you know, contractor versus employee schools and driving to homes or having a space of your own, you know? And I think we, a lot of times it, it, the debate circles around the law and finances and sure. I think it's just it's 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 more clarification that the real debate and the thing I would like to challenge everyone for is it should be surrounding philosophy and how and the and the community and the tribe that you're building. Um, and I think that that's that's the most exciting part about it, you know, is when you can create an environment where you can move things mm-hmm. in a certain direction. You know, yeah. like we're, 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 we're trying to push forward, a, you know, music revolution. We want as many people on board as we can get. You know, I think it helps right. all yeah. of us. I think it helps all of us to challenge each other in those ways. Absolutely. Well, that's a great note to, to close it out on. Um, amazing stuff, Jason. I, I'm, you know, super impressed with everything you put together and, um, you know, I look forward to just kind of continually following the journey. I think people are going to want to hear more from you over time as, you know, they see the growth of school and just kind of, you know, see your journey and, and, and watch you slay your dragon and, you know, <laughs> uh, tame, tame your dragon and use that superpower moving forward. So thank awesome. you so, so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And I can't wait to, uh, I think I'm actually going to be in it, uh, Phoenix soon. Oh yeah, no, we'd love to. We'd love to see you. Yeah, show you around. Let me. I gotta double check. I think we're playing in Arizona in April, so um, I'd love to come by the school and sit down and have a cup of coffee and 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 just chat more, man. Yeah, we'll make it happen. All right. Thanks so much, Jason. Yeah, great talking to you. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Jason. I sure did couple of takeaways from that interview. Number one, stand for something that you believe in. Number two, get clear on who you are and what you offer. You know, marketing, <clears throat> it can get confusing. It can get challenging. And, and, you know, the tactics of marketing, such as Facebook ads. Do I want to do Facebook ads or Google ads or, you know, What's my tactic? The tactics are really easy. You got to have a strategy. And part of what makes that strategy easier is when you know who you are and what you offer and what you believe in, because it makes it much easier to find your target market, find your target customer. Who is it for? Who is it not for? And then appeal to them. And lastly, you know, on my knuckles, I have tattooed hold fast and hold fast for me, anyway, it means to, speak, to have the fortitude to stay your course. So if you believe in something and you are committed 
to this idea or this philosophy, and you're so committed that you believe 100% that this is the best way to go, you got to hold fast through some of those tough challenges. All right, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you again soon.